listen to uh, what I said last week on healing. Uh, and this week, uh, the, the part of the book um, on uh, healing is about four different areas. And basically, Mike Pilibachi and Andy Croft give uh, examples of healings that they have seen in their experience as they prayed for people. And I thought, well, I could just read them out of the book. Uh, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. So I rang round this last week a whole load of New Ground churches and said, tell me what's been happening in your church uh, with healing and salvation and so on. Uh, and so that's essentially what's going to take uh, our, my talk this morning. Uh, so let me get rid of that. I don't need that. Now, I love this verse in John 20, uh, where John explains why he's written his gospel. And he says this, many other signs, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So that's why he wrote those stories. That's why we tell stories about what God has done so that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has come and died for you and taken away your sins and allowed you the opportunity to say, I can make Jesus Lord of my life and my life will be transformed and that you may have real life in his name. And so that's what... John said, that's what he's, why he's written his gospel, and that's what I want to do this morning. And so we're going to look at four areas, physical healing, emotional healing, oppression, <laughs> and spiritual healing. I'm with it. Yeah, there they are. That's it. They're my four headings. So I want to start with physical, okay? Now, we talked about physical healing last week, and I taught about that. Uh, so this is essentially going to be testimonies of physical healing. Now, I want to start with a lady called Sarah from Hastings. Now, Sarah is, and she may listen to this, so I need to be careful what I say, but she is just an ordinary lady. She's a lovely lady. And, you know, she's had children and she's brought them up and she's talked to people at the school gate about Jesus. And, you know, she's just done those sort of ordinary things that we all do. This is what she wrote to me. About four years ago, I was reading in Matthew where Jesus says to go heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead and preach the good news. I felt very provoked that I wasn't doing any of that and picked healing as it was the least scary of the four options. Now, you're going to get taken up with this story, but I want you to remember what that said. She chose healing because it was the least scary. Okay? There was a choice there. She said, I did loads of research to see what the Bible said about it and what others who were seeing it happen were teaching on it, and then started praying for people. Eventually, note that word, it means it didn't start immediately. Eventually, they started getting healed. When the first one happened, 
It set me off like a rocket and I've barely looked back. I've probably seen over 200 people healed in that time. Four years. The most exciting one recently is a friend of a friend healed over about six months of pancreatic cancer, which, humanly speaking, very rarely happens. Whereas the most dramatic visually, listen to this, was when I spoke at my mum's church near Portsmouth last May. And a lady was healed of a short leg, twisted short spine. She grew and straightened out. A left leg that barely worked. A left arm that she couldn't raise more than a few centimetres. By the end, she could lift it above her head. And fingers on her left hand grew, got straight, and she hadn't had any movement in them since a head injury as a child. She's about 50 now. And by the end, we saw a couple of fingers twitching in between our tears of shock and joy. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? She says, I'll never be the same again. It completely ruined me to see it happening right in front of my eyes. I was in shock and high as a kite for about four days. Other than those, I've seen lots of variety, like arthritis, shingles, migraines, diabetes, backs, knees, shoulders, elbows, hips, tendons, and muscles, ears, heart, and lung issues. I feel like I'm ticking off a mental list of parts of the body. Not seen any eyes healed yet. That's the most obvious one. And the pancreatic cancer was the first cancer one. Isn't that remarkable? One lady in Hastings who read the Bible and thought, I'll give it a go. 200 people healed in the last four years. Amazing. And uh, my friend Steve Alliston from Crawley uh, Church, he, he wrote to me, he said, we have a lovely guy called Ollie in the church. He had kidney stones before and suffered a lot. He was due to go to visit his family in South Africa just before Christmas for the first time since COVID. But he was feeling so unwell with kidney pain and he knew what was building up. Wondering if he should even travel, but was so desperate to see his family. Tim and Tina. Now, Tim and Tina are a couple in the church. Uh, he, I, th- I think they're life group leaders. And for a while, Tim was... Uh, working in admin in the church office. He's retired now. So they're just a couple in the church. They were praying at home and just felt a prompt to pop round to his house and pray for healing. They didn't know anything and acted on simple obedience. Ollie messaged me later that day from the airport to say as they prayed at the front door, The pain immediately left and he experienced a really strong sense of God's presence. He's been pain-free ever since and had a CT scan last week to say there is a small stone left, but they expect it now to pass normally. Isn't that brilliant? Just wonderful. Another one from Hastings. There's a lady who's uh, in the church whose work colleague was involved in a road traffic accident. She was hit by a car and thrown into the path 
and it was either a bus or a lorry. She was taken to hospital, she was in ICU, and her family were informed she was not likely to survive. The church prayed. She's now recovering, has only minor injuries, is out of ICU, and is scheduled to return home and normal life. That's just brilliant. Another one from Hastings, from the youth. You know, they're quite big things, aren't they? I love this, it's just ordinary. One of the young people went to their meeting on Friday night, this is just last week, with a hurting arm. The youth prayed and the pain went away. (laughs) It's great, isn't it? And we're sort of going to watch a video now. Um, The sound is lousy, so I'm going to tell you what's happening, but I thought I'd just give you a change um, of scenery. So this, this guy in the middle here is Rob, and he's a member of the Jubilee Church in East Grinstead. Uh, and this, hap- this was um, just a couple of weeks ago, so you can go on their website and, uh, and watch it if you like. It's about 43 minutes in to the meeting if you, want, if you do want to look. So Rob, he says, I, I was experiencing back pain. And uh, he said, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said I want to do an MRI scan. He did the scan, and then a few days later, he had a phone call from the doctor and said, I've got bad news for you you've got um, spinal cancer. And so it was then a series of blood tests and he had to have another CT scan. And during that time, he talked to his family, talked about what that might mean for them for the future. He didn't tell anyone else. He asked the elders to come and pray for him. And after the CT scan, the doctor rang him and said, there's no cancer there anymore. And... Oh, it's stopped now. But you'll see them all going <laughs> absolutely bonkers uh, because it's gone and it's completely healed of spinal cancer. These are amazing. Yeah, we can put the lights back on. We can go back to the PowerPoint. I want to I wanna read uh, John 20 again, but I've adapted it. And you'll see how I've adapted it. Many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his people, which are not recounted in this talk. But these have been mentioned so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. We're going to have the opportunity to pray for healing a little later. And I've shared those testimonies because I want faith to rise in you that God is going to meet with us this morning uh, and maybe do some amazing things. So physical healing, emotional healing. Emotional illness is impacting our society hugely and even more so since the pandemic. The restrictions The isolations, the financial pressures have caused many to struggle with depression, anxiety, addiction, and even self-harm. But this is not new. It's been part of the human condition since the fall when Adam and Eve rejected the safe environment of God's intimate presence, where they experienced security, significance, and self-worth. Now, 
we can have all those qualities restored in Christ. And many of you will have been on a Freedom in Christ course. And basically that course takes you through the Bible and reminds you of the truth of what Jesus has done for you and who you are now in him. And I think that a little bit like physical healing, you know, we can, we can get medical help, can't we? And there's medical help available to us, but God also intervenes sometimes and miraculously heals. Well, I think the same with emotional healing. If you're struggling in those areas of anxiety and depression, then there, are, there is help available. But actually what God has done for us, he's given us the Bible and he's given us truth. And he says, this is who you are now in Christ. And as we start to appropriate those truths into our lives, we find that we find our security and our significance and our self-worth is restored. Jesus spoke some words to some Jews who at that time believed him. Uh, I know that you know, later uh, they struggled uh, and were quite aggressive towards him. But by, in John 8, the early part of John's gospel, uh, he spoke to some Jews who believed him and he said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, this next sentence is a bit of a how dare you sort of sentence. They say, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus says, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And he's making the point that you know, when we're involved in sin, we're, it's like we're enslaved to sin. But once we give our life to Jesus, we are free in him. And that slave of sin has to depart. It's gone. But the son remains. And so the truth will indeed set you free. Some years ago, when we were... Uh, in Brighton, we were going to a midweek meeting, and just before I left the house, I felt God give me a prophetic word, and I quickly wrote it down and tucked it in my Bible, thinking, well, I'm going to share it at that meeting. And I went through the meeting, and there just seemed to be no opportunity. It just didn't engage at all with what I'd written down. And I, so I got home, and I thought, oh, well, obviously I got it wrong. And I, didn't, I left it in my Bible, forgot all about it. About six years later... I was in a Sunday meeting at Brighton in their, in their big auditorium, six, seven hundred people, and God reminded me of that bit of paper. And I thought, oh, crumbs. And I went through my Bible and, and I found it. And I shared it, just like we share things here at the mic. I went to the mic and I read this out. I know your suffering and the pain you've been feeling. I know the anguish and anxiety. I know your feelings of having been let down and how you feel that I am far from you. But I'm not. I am near you. But your emotions have shut me out. 
When you've been hurt, when you've felt pain, when you've been rejected, you have kept in your emotions. You've bottled them up thinking it was godly not to reveal your true emotions and feelings. But I want you to realize I gave you your emotions. I created you with feelings. You need to cry when you are hurt. You need to be angry when you are treated badly. You need to express your feelings and yet temper them with love and patience. The fruit of my spirit is not to suppress your God-given feelings and emotions, but to control them righteously. I am your God. I love you. Come before me and weep. My spirit and my people will comfort you. And as I read that out, I could, I could literally hear the spirit of God moving around the auditorium. People were responding to God. They were weeping. And over the next few weeks, we gave out about 100 copies of that because there were so many people who were bound up with chains of anxiety and depression and they found release in the truth of what God has done for them and who they are in Christ. Physical healing, emotional healing, oppression and deliverance. Demonic oppression is not something we talk about a lot, but it can sometimes occur following severe physical or emotional trauma or possibly through addiction or sinful or destructive habits. And Paul addresses the church. He, he does it to the Roman church in Romans 6, and I've picked out from Ephesians, Ephesians 4, uh, some verses that he speaks to the church. So he's not, he's not talking to unbelievers, he's talking to the church. And he says to them, don't give the devil an opportunity. So I'm going to pick out some of the verses, but he, he talks about um, laying aside your old self and putting on your new self. And I know it's not sort of left and right, but they are polar opposites. And so I'm going to pick out some things from Ephesians 4 that Paul says. He says, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. Now, he's not talking about the occasional lie that you tell. He's talking about habitual. He's talking about how you were before you became a Christian, how speaking the truth was irrelevant how speaking the lie came easily. And he says, no, 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 don't do that anymore. You need to speak the truth. He says, be angry, but don't sin. So it's, it's right to respond to certain things with anger, but not allow sin to take hold of you. He says, don't give the devil an opportunity. He then says, the one who steals must steal no longer, but must labor performing with his own hands what is good. So he's basically saying, I'm your provider. You don't need to steal. You need to work, and then I'll look after you. Do the things that you are right to do and is good to do. Don't let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. So don't swear and talk about people in a way that is just ungodly. No, say good things, say uplifting things, say encouraging things, say edify edifying things. 
Now, isn't it interesting? They're just simple. You're not talking about witchcraft. We're not talking about occult for demonic oppression. We're just talking about old habits and new habits. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but be kind to one another. When we were living in Christchurch, uh, a guy there, Dave Weeks, uh, was one of, a, one of my students at Bible College. One of, one of my students. We were students together. And he was taken on by the church as an evangelist because uh, that was his gifting. And he met someone on the street and uh, they were into alcohol and addiction and all sorts of things. And this guy came through. He understood the gospel. He gave his life to Jesus. And he was struggling to just make steps in maturity. And Dave said to me, like, I, I think there's some demonic oppression there, but I'm not sure. Would you come and pray with me, with him? And I said, yeah, of course. So we went along and, and, you know, we were a bit new and naive and didn't really know what we were doing. And, you know, we were doing our best to sort out this demonic oppression and nothing seemed to be happening. And then God said to me, use his name. And he gave me the name of whatever it was that was oppressing this man. And we prayed using this name, and it changed in a moment. And this guy was free. And he started, he ne- it wasn't that he never had any problems again. Of course he did. But he was then able, he was released to be able to step forward in Christ. Uh, when we were there, we were living a house in, in a road called Jumpers Avenue. And it was a bit of a funny house. It was sort of on its own. It had houses this way, and there was a warehouse behind, and there was retail over here, and there was a pub opposite. Uh, and it was a nice house. We, in, we enjoyed living there. Uh, but after a little while, we hadn't been there very long, and we were finding that the kids weren't sleeping. We had three children at the time, Claire, Tim, and Simon. And we, you know, we could count on one hand the number of complete night's sleep we had in a month. It was crazy. They were always waking up. And somebody said to us, did you know that that house had previously been used as a brothel? We said, no, we had no idea. And after a while, we, we thought, okay, well, let's, let's pray. So we asked the elders to come, and we literally walked around every room in the house. We didn't cast out demons. We just prayed. We prayed for the presence of God. We prayed over the children. And, you know, from that moment on, I can't say the children never had broken nights, but it changed completely. There is demonic oppression. But you know the good thing? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so demonic oppression must leave, must stop in the name of Jesus because Jesus has conquered death. He has conquered Satan. And so Satan can try and oppress you, but Jesus has the final say. So physical healing, emotional healing, uh, whatever the last one was, deliverance, uh, and spiritual healing. And again, I'm just going to give you some testimonies uh, that have been sent to me of people's lives who have been changed by becoming a Christian, meeting Jesus. So our son-in-law, Sam, who some of you know from Hastings, 
Uh, he said he, after a Sunday meeting, he was just moving some chairs around because he was going to have a, a meeting with some life group leaders. And as he was doing that, a guy came up to him and said, could you pray for me? And Sam thought, oh no, I've got, I'm doing this meeting. I wonder if there's anyone around who I could get to pray for him. Uh, and he felt God say to him, just give him a little while. And so he said, yeah, come on, let's sit down. So they sat down and all the life group leaders were sort of milling around waiting for this meeting to start. And he's, he just asked this guy some questions of what was happening in his life and so on. And he started to use some phrases that just triggered something with Sam. And he said, I, I feel like I'm on a journey to the foot of the cross. And he said, I think I need God. And so Sam talked to him about what it meant to become a Christian. And he said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he said, yes, I do. And he led him to the Lord there and then with the life group leaders looking on, wondering what on earth was happening. And they rejoiced with the angels later. There's a guy called Steve, uh, who's a builder, separated from his wife, uh, part of the church in Seaford, Life Church Seaford. Uh, and his wife was beginning to explore faith. They weren't part of the church at this point. Uh, she started to look at the Alpha course. And so to show his commitment to their marriage and that he wanted it to work, he said, I'll join you on the Alpha course. And so over time, he softened. And last year, they were both saved. They were both baptized. And now they're wanting to be part of the new church plant into New Haven that Seaford is planning. Isn't that great? Steve from Crawley again, he sent me this. He said, in terms of salvation, we've seen a number of Muslims come to Jesus. Our first three baptisms this year in January were people from Muslim background. And he said, we have two more ready to baptize next Sunday. So that was, he sent me that on Thursday. So that means they're baptizing two guys who have turned from Islam to Jesus today. And then he said, I had a message last night, so that would have been like Wednesday night, this last week, to say a lady called Lisa gave her life to Jesus yesterday. She came to our main Christmas guest event as a totally unchurched person and now has begun to follow Jesus. But there's a backstory, and I love this. The lady who led her to the Lord is called Debbie. Debbie got born again on our first lockdown online alpha, so about three years ago. On, her, on our next alpha, her dad came to the Lord. Debbie then helped me and Kaz, that's Steve's wife, run a couple more online alphas during 2021 and 2022 to help her grow. And her husband, Aaron, was always lurking, he says. By last Easter, Aaron decided to come on Sundays so he could be with Debbie and the kids. He came on our weekend away, gave his life to Jesus last September. Aaron is now helping Debbie lead this alpha, and her mum and cousin are on the course, and also Debbie's friend, Lisa, who gave her life to Jesus yesterday. Isn't that great? It's just wonderful. And this is happening just around here, Seaford, Crawley, East Grinstead. Isn't that brilliant? The last two 
stories from East Grinstead, from Matt Hoyes. Matt is a great guy. Uh, he's, he's a lovely evangelist, and he can't help but talk about Jesus wherever he is. He's based in East Grinstead. Matt writes this. Johnny was a guy who came to Jubilee on Christmas Day, first time in a church, really struggling, and has tried everything else. Started Alpha at the end of January, totally unchurched. After two sessions, he came to church, heard a gospel call, and gave his life to Jesus two weeks ago. And then finally, Shane. Shane is a homeless guy I've befriended over the past seven years over in Crawley. Now, don't, don't ask, because I have no idea why Matt, who's living in East Grinstead, should be talking to a homeless guy over seven years in Crawley. But there it is. Uh, and he said I would sit with him, get him food, buy batteries for his radio, etc. And he would let me pray with him sometimes. Hadn't seen him in his usual spot for a while. Bumped into him yesterday. He wrote me this on Friday, I think. Bumped into him yesterday. Uh, he looked younger and so much better. Gave me a massive hug. Told me he'd just been baptised. He woke up one morning lying in his bedding and told me he heard God tell him to get up, pick up his things and walk. He went to a nearby church and gave his life to Jesus. He said, he died for me. You've got to give him what you have. It's not a bad phrase, is it? He is now in a shared home, has a job on the fruit market right in front of where he used to sleep and volunteers two days a week in the church. I want to just shout and scream because I've just read some amazing testimonies of healing and salvation that has happened in just the last few weeks. This isn't going back, oh yeah, five years ago this happened, or ten years ago this happened. No, this is just a couple of weeks ago. This is ten days ago. This is just a few days ago. People are getting healed and saved. And, you know, it's not Sarah Stone who's healing people. It's not, not Matt Hoyes or Steve Alliston. It's, it's not. It's God. And, you see, God is the one who is in those places. And of course he's not here. <laughs> oh yes he is. You see it's God who heals. And God is here. Shall we put two and two together? So if you, uh, if you would like to be prayed for, for healing, whether that's physical, emotional, whether you feel oppressed, or whether you have not ever given your life to Jesus, but you feel like uh, now is the moment, then I'd just like you to stand up. Thanks, Joe. Sarah. Okay. Now, this is not about me. I don't heal people either. Okay? So if there's somebody standing near you, then I'd like you to stand up and put your hand upon them and start praying that Jesus will come and move mightily by his spirit in their life. I will pray uh, as you do that. But please, look around, see people standing, and uh, get a hand on a shoulder.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for these amazing testimonies that we have heard. We thank you that they glorify you because you are the one who is powerful, who is mighty, who is loving, who is merciful, who is kind, who is good and faithful. And you are the one who by your Holy Spirit transforms lives. You give us new life in Christ. You give us new parts of our body. You enable uh, limbs to grow and backs to be healed and migraines to disappear. You are the one who does these things. And so, Father, we come to you and we say, will you pour out your spirit upon these people now who are standing, who are suffering in some way and are now looking to you, the great God who is all-powerful, to pour out your spirit and to release healing to them individually. Lord, we pray, let your spirit have free reign in this room. Come and do amazing things, we pray. We ask you, Lord, to to be a testimony here that we can share with other churches. We can say, this is what God has done here. This is what he's done in my life. This is what he's done in my friend's life. This is how he has changed my life completely. Lord, we come to you. It's not about who is laying their hands on a shoulder. It's not about me praying out. It's about you. And Lord, we say, do the thing that only you can do. We ask now in Jesus' name. Amen.